You're listening to the Bon Appetit Foodcast. I'm Adam Rappaport. On today's show, two of my favorite things, beer and coffee. First up, Alex Delaney, assistant web editor, and Brad Laney, our test kitchen manager. And they're kind of like our two uh, craft beer geeks here at Bon Appetit. And they kind of try to school me and convince me of the ways of craft beer. And then second, Emil Stonic, our associate editor, along with John Feldman, East Coast director for Stumptown, to talk one of my true passions, iced coffee and cold brew. And I drink so much of it every day, year round. So I'm very psyched that we got to sit down uh, with Emil and John and talk cold brew. Here we go with Alex Delaney and Brad Leone talking craft beer. Delaney, your first podcast? This is my first time on the Foodcast, and I'm, you know, I'm pretty honored to be here. Wait, have you been on other podcasts? Uh, I have been on, <laughs> I've been on some very unprofessional podcasts um, that never saw the light of day, or if they saw the light of day, maybe three people listened to them. So, <laughs> All right, well, yeah. well, welcome to the Bon Appetit Foodcast, and Brad, welcome back. Thanks, sir. So we're talking craft beer today. Well, it, first of all, is that the correct phrase? Am I, am I talking correctly? You know, that's a, that's a tender subject. Because when I, when I was coming up, it was always like microbrew. And then okay. at some point it became craft beer. But well, what else would you call it? I, I literally don't know. So school me here. There, there's all this contention to, you know, it, oh, if it's a microbrew, what you know number of barrels produced right. as a microbrew? How small is of a brewery? To, you know, does a brewery need to be to be considered a microbrewery? And the answer is that there is no answer. And to be considered craft beer, you have to produce under a certain amount of uh, amount of barrels per year. There, there is the uh, American Craft Beer uh, Association, I believe they're called, and the problem is that that number changes every year. Mm. There's never, it's not a consistent number. I mean, it is for one calendar year, but then the next year, a big brewery starts making more beer, and they're like, uh, we still want these guys to be called craft. So craft beer doesn't necessarily have a true, honest definition, which is in itself kind of strange. So, well, look, all right, what I find interesting about you guys, and I, I, I dare say even inspiring, um, <laughs> Is that you approach uh, craft beer with a, a zeal and a and a sense of focus that's impressive? Like you guys, you're, I mean, can I kind of say you collect the the beer, or it's like you really search out various beers, you try them together, you compare notes. Short term collection, yeah, short term. That's good. Yeah, you're not aging them. <laughs> no, not all of them. No, and uh, yeah, so it just started, you know. Well, what we do, in, we drink them here sometimes at work, you know, a yeah. little later in the day. and uh, <laughs> Later in the day, like 3.30, no. And I've come by on Fridays in, in the test kitchen, and you guys have a, have, have a bunch of beer set up. Yeah. And you guys, uh, you and Brad wrote a piece in our August issue, the great Vermont Beer Run, um, which I can't remember when I green-lighted this story. I'm surprised <laughs> I did. I, we sent the two of you guys uh, to Vermont yeah, by to, go, to go drink beer for three days yep. um, as part of your job. But I thought it was... I thought it was a fascinating piece, A, that having to go search out these breweries to taste their beer that you're not going to get in New York City. Yeah. Um, and I get, I'm, assu- I'm assuming – and then there was a, an element of food that went along with the beer. And also I imagine a, a pretty good sense of community once you go to these breweries. Well, that's just it. It is kind of community-driven, you know, and it, it does tie in food. When people who are making really good, you know, uh, kimchi or really good, you know, a farmer for pork, they all kind of know each other and they all kind of get – they all seem to get together. And, yeah. uh, and work together. And it's neat that it is only available in certain spots, you know, because of the distribution factor. And I think that's a good thing, you know, maybe, I mean, and maybe that hurts them. Maybe they wish they could get a little bit more out. But 
it keeps the control. Yeah. All right, well, let's let's taste some beer, and I have I've got more questions for you. But what are we what are we tasting, Delaney? How are we doing this? We've got we've got a few things. Yeah, uh, I'll, ju- I'll just do I'll just do some small pours for you guys. All right. Um, he's, he's opening his little. You have Brad. Where did you get this? You have like a little wheelie yeah, cooler. Sometimes when we have to go pick up certain things, I don't. I'm not a big fan of the wheelie cooler, uh-huh. or the, you know, because I then you gotta take an elevator or carry. I just do the book pack, like the yeah, backpack. Back. Yeah. But um, they're good to have. You know, shopping in the city. It's insulated. All right. So this is a beer that you may have had before. This is a beer that ruined my college years. <laughs> there you go. So, uh, so I was at Cal, University of California, Berkeley, and like you just you couldn't get a regular beer. And it was either Anchor Steam, which we're about to try, yeah. or Sierra Nevada. I'm like, can I just get a regular beer? And like I couldn't. So I'm, I'm going to try this as an adult again and see how it goes. Um, all right. So, all right, so we're, are we just giving it a taste? Yeah, give it a taste. A little bitter, a lot, a, a lot of bitter, yeah. a lot of bitter. <laughs> in a good way, though, right? A little. This just strikes me as not refreshing. I, I, I find this the opposite of refreshing. Is that fair? That is, I think sure. that's that's it's, fair. It's um, not that crisp, clean, like hot day. Just mowed the lawn. Let's crack no. one of these. Some some people, sure. This is more like you're sitting down watching a game. You just it's this could be your cognac kind of thing. Like some of those bigger beers that are kind of bitter and big flavor that aren't like. You're out fishing on a boat and just drinking eight beers. Yeah, this is. I figure. What is this? An IPA? No, this is just a. It's called. It's referred to as a uh, California common lager. Oh, okay. so it's a lager. In um, in beer speak, Alex Delaney. Yeah. How would you describe this in terms of notes, flavor notes, and whatnot? Whatnot. Uh, flavor notes. I would say slight. I see. I don't think this is a very bitter beer. I think it's slight, slightly bitter beer. Um, and with the lager. The, to me, the main note is always breadiness. It's mm. like you're you're maybe smelling a little bit of a, a fresh baked bread that came out. The um, malt of the onion. The malt is the for a lot. This one is not overly hoppy. Is that fair to say? That is 100 percent fair. Okay, because there are beers that are that I'm very hop sensitive yes. to. Maybe yes. a little more like malty. Yeah, yeah. This is this is definitely a malt driven beer. It's interesting because you said it's not bitter, but that's also I think like. If you're someone who just starts drinking coffee for the first time, you're going to find coffee incredibly sure. bitter. Sure. But after you've had like 4,000 cups over the <laughs> next year or two, uh, you're like, oh, this isn't so bitter. Yeah. Um, and you certainly, I imagine, become accustomed to it. Um, I guess maybe I just never worked on this to sort of sort of get get with this. You do. It is. I won't say. Yeah, I, I mean, I guess I'll say it's an acquired taste. Yeah. Um, but, you have to be, but you have to be willing to acquire have, that taste. You have to put a little time into it. All yeah. right. What, what do we got next? All right. Next. Reaching down, reaching down to the tank. <laughs> into the tank. All right, now, well, are these on ice, Brad, or you just put them in the cooler? Or do I? Do you not want this kind of beer super cold? Some beers they have a preferred temperature of service. Yeah. Sometimes you don't want it super, super cold. Sometimes they prefer it almost room temp. Uh, but for the most part, I, I tend to like my beer cold. So I should not put it on ice. My dad would. <laughs> what does your What does your dad drink? Well, he doesn't anymore. But when he did, it was like Bush Light with ice cubes. <laughs> Bush Light, nice. like yeah. with like nine or ten ice cubes. Like he, like it was iced tea. But and, and I never understood it. Ooh, that was a good one. satisfying. Also, that's yeah. like, so we're drinking a can. Yeah. So that seems to be a, a more recent development in the last few years that craft beers have really gotten on the can movement. Sure. Correct. Fair Absolutely. enough to say. One hundred percent. And I've, I've always heard that part of that is the cans don't allow in light which is good for the beer correct is that fair sure yes. yeah um so the can is the can is something that breweries are a little hesitant to switch over to now just because they've been <laughs> bottling for so long and you know if you want to buy a canning machine it's not it's not a cheap oh. piece of equipment 
Um, so th there are a lot of companies that will come in and they're kind of like freelance canners and they'll bring a little truck um, out back to the brewery and they'll, and they'll can your beer for you. Well, why not? What is bottling? You can do you can do it by hand, I guess, if you're super yeah. small, right? But yeah. I mean, a bottling machine isn't too cheap either. Right, this no, is some crazy-ass Grateful Dead, Pink <laughs> Floyd-looking prismatic eye. There's a deteriorating skull <laughs> with, like, crystals in one of the eyes and prisms, like a rainbow prism shooting out of oh, yeah. the crystallized eye above pyramids. Beer graphics can get a little wow. wild. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So, all right, so, wow. This right, one so you want before, to smell, yeah. Yeah. Wow, this is fragrant. Before This one's really fragrant. Super fragrant. Yeah. Yeah. Can I say this is really hoppy? 100%. Yeah. Um, Trust me nuts. So, so this beer, <laughs> this beer is uh, actually a collaboration uh, between two breweries. Between the Grateful Dead and, and between Pink the Grape. <laughs> exactly. Um, no, it is, it is a collaboration between Burial Beer Company um, in Asheville, North Carolina. Did you say burial? Burial, burial, burial. Like you bury Bur someone? Yeah, like B U R I A L. What, the hell kind of, what kind of name is that for? I don't know, but they they make some pretty good beer. <laughs> why? Uh, why wonder? And then, and then the other brewery that they collaborated with was a New York brewery over in Brooklyn, Other Half, um, and they're they're known for hops and collaborations. Yeah, um, and they're also known for eight and a half percent alcohol. Exactly. Which to put that in perspective, Budweiser is like four point five, yeah, about that. Yeah. somewhere around there. So this is significantly more two it's for like one here. Double, yeah. Yeah, yeah, it's like a double beer. So when you smell it, it's, it's also it's like milky looking, it's cloudy. It's cloudy. cloudy. Yeah. Is that what does that mean? I know so, what that means in wine. I don't know what it means in beer. So this means that at the end of the process, it was unfiltered. So there's still a you little bit of there's still a little bit of sediment going on in there. Oh God, not a wrap of beer. <laughs> Wow. So how much you can drink maybe half a can. You can't you can't drink more than one can of this. This is like uh, a tall boy can. This is like a sixteen ounce can. Yeah, it's a sixteen I mean, ounce can. People drink people can drink six, eight of these. No. Yeah. Stop. I've, I've done it. You have not done it. <laughs> really? Done it, yeah. You've actually sat down in one night and had a six pack of these? Oh yeah. Well not this particular one, but very similar, similar style. Uh yeah. I mean I'm, I go through phases. You know, in the colder months I can get away with a little it will make you fat. Yeah, I wasn't going to comment on that. Um, but uh, but it's you know, what I, but you don't find this just it's like eating a, a, a loaf of sourdough or something. It is. It is I, again. It's something that when I for, when I first had, when I had my first IPA, I was like, "Whoa, what the hell is going on in this glass? It's syrupy, Why, it's what bitter. is going on?" Um, but now I like this is not. When people think of an IPA, and I think this is why an IPA gets a bad rep sometimes, um, it's usually an IPA that's been sitting on a shelf for a warm shelf for months. Does not age well. Do you know and, why? Because people aren't buying it. There you go. <laughs> um, and it's when you let an IPA sit around for a while, the flavor of the hops, which is in an IPA, it's the main flavor. Uh, it's the main flavor that you taste. It fades, and yeah. it and it. It turns bitter, so hops are always bitter, skunky but, and bittery. But when they're when they're fresh, it brings this crazy floral fruit aroma. So like when well, when it's you, definitely it's definitely fragrant. I mean, it has, yeah, and there's different it has types an of almost hops. potpourri sort of yeah sure. quality to it. it yeah, and there's different hops bring different flavors and fragrances. It's actually interesting out on the North Fork um, where I'm out a lot these days. Uh, there, you're seeing a lot more hops being grown, yeah. and they grow vertically. Up Big vine, they're beautiful wire. plant. Yeah. Yeah. And someone built a huge field um, with these like giant sort of slanted telephone poles that mm -hmm. are stretched across for like, it's pretty. a couple acres, and yeah. It's impressive. Yeah, it's really cool. But I mean, it's, it's interesting in that you see that in, in the world of agriculture is that the farmers now know there's money to be made there. Sure. Um, yeah. That that's 
good business. For I mean, there's a brewery everywhere yeah. now. Yeah, it's good. it's it's really growing because hops used to be they used to be grown basically three. There were three main places in the world they were grown. It was in the UK, um, in the Northwest, in Washington and Oregon, and in Australia and New Zealand. And those those are the three places that, for whatever reason, hopped on hopped on the train early and were like, did, we're, you, just, did you just make a hop pun? Oh wow! Yeah. <laughs> that was completely unintentional, but that was fantastic. Um, all right, yeah, that, I did make a hop pun. Uh, so know. in America, they weren't growing the hops. They were, they were, but hops just for the big breweries. Exactly. There, there's there's kind of there's two schools of thought here. One is that you. I never thought a podcast about beer was be so serious. Oh yeah, it's just like <laughs> it can be serious. Professor Delaney over here. Yeah. <laughs> oh, man. Um, you you can you can go into hops thinking this like if you want people some people think the best hops are the ones that are grown by the huge farms because they've been doing it for so long mm-hmm. and they're giving you a product that you know is going to be fantastic it's consistent it's consistent um, but then there's another school of thought that says you know anyone can grow hops um, if you're in the right climate and you have the right type of soil and all these small farms are starting to pop up and there's kind of like a, a divide with brewers right now. Are you going to try the smaller hops that you don't necessarily know are going to give you a consistent flavor and support the little guys, or are you going to stay with the big farms and mm. and uh, you know get a hop that you know is going to have a certain flavor? Well, a lot, they're doing both a lot too. Yeah. yeah well, how often? How often are the breweries, the small breweries? How often do they um, do they embrace? inconsistency in the way that a winery will, that one vintage to the next, the wine changes. Um, a lot of places are proud of it. 100%. Yeah. The, um, the variation. That is not exactly the same all the time. Yeah. It's like, you know, this year, this this batch is going to be a little different. Mm-hmm. It's, like, it's almost, people get, if it's a really good brewery that people, they have a following, they get excited for it. Because, all right, they say they're doing beer A again, and it was delicious, and they're going to do it next year. But it, it's got some chance that, you know, we're going to, we're using a little bit of a different uh, hop or something. Where it'll, it'll be, they know it's going to be good. It's just going to be a little different. All right, Delaney, are you on Snapchat these days or Instagram <laughs> stories? <laughs> that is the, there's a battle in my yeah. mind right now. <laughs> What's your Snapchat handle? <laughs> my Snapchat handle is uh, at Alex, A-L-E-X underscore Delaney, D-E-L-A-N-Y. Um, um and you often chronicle your evenings, I do, about, and your I Saturday do. and Sundays. And I, I'm just a well, right, I, I'm impressed and astounded and a little horrified at the <laughs> amount of these craft beers you consume in an outing. Um, a, uh, it's just a lot. B, it can't be cheap. No. And C, you're eating also while drinking all these beers. <laughs> like, how do you? I, I don't like explain. How do all you manage? Right, right. So. One tra- and are you explicitly training. going out like I want to go try X all these beers or sometimes yes sometimes no the, I think the thing the thing that I don't show you on Snapchat or Instagram is that to me beer it's all about sharing so if I you know if I open this bottle like I'm probably not drinking the bottle completely oh. all by myself I'm gonna have three friends um, that are over and you know we're gonna split it four yeah. ways there's special beers yeah. and then there's what do you call them? Crushers, Cru- crushers, crushable. Yeah. And when you when when you're splitting this beer, is it expected that all the participants sort of chime in with their thoughts about the beer, no. or is that uh, it? Yeah. Depends. It depends who you drink it with. I I personally like this is the most I have talked about beer in this in this sense right. in in a while because when I when I drink a beer, I'll tell you exactly what I think about it, 
And I don't want to talk about that, about what I think about that beer for more than 10 seconds. Yeah, let's enjoy it. We can talk about it for a little bit. Yeah, yeah this is great. Talk about what we like about it. But at the end of the day, let's let's enjoy what we're doing. Yeah, exactly. At the, at the end of the day, like, beer is not is not about, hey, let's sit in this circle and, like, all give this Critique crazy it. analysis. Yeah. Beer is about drinking beer with people you like. It's, it's you know, it's about having fun. Yeah. And I think that's something that gets a little lost. So when, <laughs> when you see me going out and... And trying beers at all these beer bars and with dinner and whatever, that's like that's what beer is to me. I, I want to go out with my friends and I want to enjoy it with the people I like to hang out with. That's what you know. That's what I think beer should be. All right, we have another beer. Yeah. All right, Delaney, reaching in. All right, I'm gonna I'm gonna finish this guy. Although it's all about yeah, an ounce you, and you a gotta. Half. All right, this is this oh, is a this is a Ooh, this has this has a this has like a champagne. I brought cork. this one in. I yeah. picked it up yesterday. This is a special beer. Hive fifty six. It's a cool label. Allagash Brewery out of Maine, I believe. Right, Portland. They're in Portland, Maine, and it's got kind of a cool Studio fifty four sort of. And they make some. Label. They make some of my favorite beers. Uh, they, I mean, you see them. They have a lot of like. They're known for their Allagash White. You can get that at like. Most bars. That is a dark beer. This beer is not white. Doesn't taste dark though. Yeah, if that makes sense. So, but there's so. I, what, I, how do you when you say some of my favorite beers? It seems it seems like there's so many of these breweries out there now, and you you just kind of keep tabs in the head. Yeah, you kind of and yeah, and it's like this. I didn't know this beer existed a year ago. Mm-hmm. You know, and then you taste it, and then like maybe in a year I'll be over it or it won't be available. So ale. I'm reading the label. High fifty six. Love this label. Yeah, very ba- cold ale brewed with honey and wow. Brit- I can't even read that word. Can you read that word? <laughs> the <laughs> last word? Oh, yeah, yeah. The, uh, Bretonomacy? Bretonomacies, yeah. So, Explain. Okay, so the big, the, big trend, the big trend in beer right now is is brewing with these bacteria that used to, brewers hated them. They didn't, they didn't want them to get into our, into oh, our beer. <laughs> Brad, Brad's, Brad's oh, in a good place yeah. right now. Oh, yeah. Brad's in a good place right now. That's a $15 bottle. And where'd you get it from? A liquor store in Hoboken, New Jersey. Okay, so yeah, all right. Um, so, so Brettanomyces, it's a, it's a bacteria and it, it very much like a natural wine. Um, it'll, it'll create this kind of like funky-ish flavor. Ooh. Um, Ooh. and it's yeah. not something that people are used to with beer. Sour? Yeah. But that's little, it's kind of, kind little of vinegar. Of or like, they like, age yeah. it. So they'll, they'll brew it with their yeast in, Ooh. in like a stainless steel barrel or, and then they'll age it. This one's aged for, I believe, 18 months in an oak barrel with that bacteria. What they ha- it has, a, this one... But much more than the other ones has a wine like quality. Yeah, well, that's wine a, vinegary sort yep. of. It brings sour. up a, a funny thing that I that I was talking about last night. This bottle costs it's twelve point seven ounces, which is not a lot. That's like so it's pretty much fourteen dollars for a pint for uh, under a pint, yeah. a, a glass of beer. But no one really makes you know. You would go out and so if you wanted to get three of these, it's you know it's going to cost you forty five bucks. But and it's really good. It's really special. No one really makes a big stink about buying a really good bottle of wine for $45. Yeah. Or even less because a bottle or of wine is not that yeah. many ounces. Yeah. yeah. So that's what I'm saying. Three of these, you're probably getting you know, a little bit close to a, to a bottle more, of wine. More than. Yeah, yeah. For 40, 45 bucks, $40. And you, this, is, this is a beer, you know, you could sit there and drink it by yourself. But this is a nice beer to share. Now, let's talk about beer and food. Of the beers we've just drunk, we, had, we started off. With the anchor, anchor steam, which ruined my college years. Yep. <laughs> um, then we've got this prismatic eye situation happening. Double IPA, yeah. Double IPA, because one IPA is just not enough. It's never enough. Um, high 56, which is wine-like. Of these three, uh, which of these would you prefer to eat food with, and which of these would you prefer to just drink on its own? That's a good question. I'm a little picky with eating 
beer with eating because I don't, not all of them, it doesn't do it for me. It doesn't cut my palate. It doesn't really refresh a lot. Thank you. Yeah. So, I mean, there's, there's some beer that I do enjoy with food. Like the one I was talking about before that goes, it's almost like, it's almost like a beer kind of spritz. It's, it's very refreshing mm-hmm. and it's clean. It's a little salty. It kind of cuts the palate. It's very easy to eat with. Some of these other beers, I, I mean, I love beer, but I just want to, I want to drink that. I want to drink before I eat. And then and, eat. I'll have it, wine. Wine, yeah, yeah. But for some reason, a, a lot of beers I don't really enjoy eating. Well, with. you're you you you're skirting the question, Brad. Which of these three beers <laughs> would you like to have dinner with? Probably, probably the last one that we're drinking here. This uh, High Fifty Six from Halagash. Just because it's special. I agree with Brad. And it's it's sippable, you know, and it's just it's it's like you said, it is kind of more in that yeah. wine realm. What's well, also interesting when you think about wine? I mean, a typical restaurant pour is what five to six ounces, right? Mm-hmm. Um, five and a half. Five and a half, yeah. yeah. So if you have three glasses of wine, you're only having a little bit more than a can of beer. And three glasses yeah. of wine for the average person is a is a decent amount of it's wine. A solid dinner. amount. Usually I don't know about little, you guys, but you know, <laughs> usually a little higher in alcohol wine. Yeah. Yes, that yeah. is true. Um, yeah, it, it definitely is a volume thing because you know when I, I Brad the 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 thing that Brad and I always talk about is when you. When you uh, eat like ramen, like if I was eating a bowl of ramen, I, there's no way in hell I would want to drink a beer. Not at all. Because you have all that broth and all those noodles Volume. sitting in your stomach, and you're drinking a pint of beer. That's a lot of stuff going into yeah, your body. I couldn't agree more. But if you're if you're just drinking a glass of wine, well, wait, 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 that, first of all, I a I don't believe you because b when you're going to a ramen joint, you're ordering like <laughs> I bet you're ordering like a kirin or, or asahi or something. I'll, I'll order I'll order one beer. Okay. When I'm at a ramen place. I don't do beer with ramen. But what do you do? I don't drink, really. Really? I, I Ramen, that's a whole other podcast. <laughs> I mean, I'm, ramen, I'm there to eat ramen. I'm eating it in five minutes, and I'm out of there. Fair wow. enough. It's like some Japanese business guy. That's it. Yeah. Slurping his noodles business. and done. Yeah. All business. <laughs> but but it, that is funny, though. When, when you think about wine, just from a volume perspective, you're drinking a lot less liquid. So it, it, it is easier to drink it with dinner um, because you're not filling up on anything. And beer is kind of like a commitment like okay, I'm, you know, I'm going to put 16 ounces of this into yeah. my stomach. It's, you know. It's a volume thing. Yeah, it's a volume thing. All right, besides following Delaney on Snapchat, if someone wanted to get into the craft beer movement, uh, are there websites you would recommend, journals like sure. what, what do you what do you sure. what do you like for the beginner? Um, for the beginner, there are two two things that I say, are, you know, if you want to start Go to beeradvocate.com. It's, yeah, it's it one. really is like just a wealth of information. Um, it's these two dudes that started it. I want to say maybe early two thousands. Uh, I'm not I'm not sure the exact year, um, but every brewery uh, in basically the world has a page um, and it lists all the beers they do. And people can check these beers in and give little reviews to it, and they rate them. Um, it tells you the alcohol percentage, the style. Everything you need to know about the beer, um, and you know, now I'm gonna absolutely declare my beer nerd status. Uh, there's beer forums that you can just type on and talk to people about beer. <laughs> wow. So, like people, you know, when someone so walks like, by my desk, like people, you mean you? Yeah. So it's like when yep. you're when you're yeah. home alone on a Wednesday night, <laughs> drinking by yourself by your computer in the dark. Yep. Um, and, I mean, and, just, and my roommate comes in and is like, "Dude, what are you doing?" And I'm like, uh, I'm "Talking to people about yeah. beer." Working. And your girlfriend's like, "What are you doing?" <laughs> Sorry, just yeah. I mean, you know, exactly. I think the best way just 
just get out there. Go on, like you know, go on a little road trip. Go. Uh, but where? Do you, but I'm saying, where do you need to? Where do you learn to go? So beer so advocate's that, one, and oh, beer yeah. advocate for sure is one. Um, and then there's like you were saying, it's craft beer has become so ubiquitous in brick and mortar places. Um, learning about beer, the way that I learned about beer is talking to people who yeah. make beer. If you go into a brewery, it's not going to be a bunch of people who are like, stay away from me. I yeah. don't want to see you here. Don't give me business. They want to give you advice. They sure. want to give you advice, and they want to tell you about what they're brewing because most brewers are proud of the beer that they make. All right, five, top five, and I think you've already mentioned two, but you can again today, top five craft beer towns if you're going to go to for like a long oh. weekend to go drink. Oh, that's a big okay. One. All right. Uh, yeah. Uh, well, Vermont's a big one. We'll call Vermont Burlington. Town. Yeah. Burlington, 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 town. Burlington as the epicenter yeah. and then sort of going on road day trips from Burlington. Sure. Yeah. I would right, say that's one. Burlington. Um, I would say Asheville, North Carolina. Where you just were. Asheville. I was just there. And that's a town where you can hit up a number of breweries and, and the, bars and stuff. And it's like you can't walk five blocks without running into a brewery. If, if you're in downtown Asheville. What about Michigan? Like, uh, Ann Michi- Arbor? Michigan is... Michigan makes a lot of really good beer, but the problem is it's very spread out. Yeah. Um, so like, if maybe if you went to you maybe know that's Traverse why town, City or, town is tough because yeah. it's usually only unless it's like a really big beer town. Yeah. I mean, I, I would I would I would definitely say Burlington, definitely say Asheville. I think I think Philly is an incredible. I think Philly is one of the best places to drink beer in the country. Um, there's a there are incredible breweries there. But there's a really good beer culture there. Yeah. What about like uh, maybe Portland? Portland, actually, and my last. Both Portland. Which Portland? My last two are Portland yeah. and Portland. Yeah, I'd say both. Portland, Maine, might be my favorite beer city. Some really good ones in, coming out of in there. the country, and also like cities like Burlington and Nashville. There are cities of a of a certain size. They're easy to sort of get around and sure. navigate. Yeah, and because I'm sure you know, everyone knows everybody in those towns. Yeah, it's it's a it's definitely like we were saying earlier. It's a community, um, and people. People know they know each other, and it's a lot of collaboration, and, you and just know. everyone's access to the internet too. I mean, there's just so much. If you Google it, you can find it. You know, I mean, there's that's true. Uh, anything left to taste, Delaney? Uh, yeah, we got. We brought your fave. Mmm, little American classic. All right, so we we can we can do a little side by side. Oh no, <laughs> we've got we've got a couple of a uh, couple of Budweisers here. Do you um, mean America beer? I think oh, actually one is America and one's Budweiser. Oh no, they're both Bud America. They're both okay. America. They're you both America. I didn't know when they when they changed to the America label for the summer. I didn't know that they kept Budweiser on the side. That's kind of cheating. They should have just fully, totally replaced. Yeah, if you're gonna go, for you gotta go, yeah, go yeah. for it. You know, they kind of they kind of hedged their bets on that one. All right. So for the last one, uh, Budweiser. Budweiser would be our uh, our little chaser. Okay, so I'm gonna um, wait. I'm gonna taste this other stuff first. Yeah, we'll taste this guy first. So this is another crazy hippie looking psychedelic <laughs> bottle. What's this yeah, one? Yeah, this is a uh, this is from a brewery called Wicked Weed, um, and this is mm. borderline kombucha esque. Again, yeah, beer. Yeah, so Has this that is fruity vinegary sort fruity of fruity vinegary flavor. I'm gonna chug, chug the rest it. of this beer. It smells great. And what is it? Um, so this this is a farmhouse ale. Beautiful and, color. Yeah, really nice color. It looks like kind of a rich amber, kind of reddish. Yeah. Um it's a it's a sour beer that is brewed, fermented with blackberries mm. um and raspberries. And they do it in, I believe, a red wine barrel. You get what, the berries. Where is it where is it brewed? This is another <laughs> this is another Asheville beer. Oh, that's nice. I would eat that I would eat that with dinner. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Because it's because it cuts. It cuts. It has a nice high acid level, almost like cider. 
Exactly. Uh, which is exactly. also which is a whole other podcast, I imagine, as well. Yeah, one hundred percent. Um that that would be that would be my dinner beer. Right yeah, there. I agree. Yeah. It seems like high fifty five, fifty six, excuse me, I think it was interesting, but that's almost like a Dessert. like a nice scotch or something. Yeah, exactly. Or bourbon, a bourbon exactly. after yep. dinner, you know. Uh, cognac so, after, yeah. Yeah, exactly. So now I'm gonna have the Budweiser. It's, it. gonna, it's just gonna taste like club soda, I you imagine. Gotta, this is the whole setup. Yeah, if we could go back to the question, which beer would you eat with? I would eat with this one as well. Literally tastes like nothing, and right? that's why I love it. I could, eat, I could have like ten of these right now. It's like it's like Emil walking around the office drinking his Lacroix water. I know. He'd be drinking Budweiser, not even knowing I was drinking beer the entire time. I mean, it's good. It is what it is. It's always consistent. That's there's just something. It's something lacking. <laughs> no, it's just after two. I just don't want it. I just don't want to do it anymore. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, well, gentlemen. Uh, thank you for welcoming me to your to your craft beer community today. Oh, anytime. We'll glad do it to again. have you. All right. Thanks, guys. Feldman, you seem to have brought some 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 cold brew iced coffee stuff with you. Yeah, I brought a I brought a couple of things and uh First, I brought the nitro can, which is something we came up with last year, and uh, it's been a huge hit. That's uh, it's nit- nitrogenated coffee, cold brew in a can, and uh, so kind of like a Guinness, but coffeeized. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's 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 something that we did can on draft. Yeah, go can for I open a crack. It? Well, sh- give it a shake. A shake. Yeah, give it a oh, shake. Wow. And seems uh, dangerous. seems and like you're then, setting out. Well, well, do you have something to pour it in? Because yes. you know, how long do you do you shake it for? Yeah, just just that's good. You that's good. Wanna, <laughs> you, yeah, that's not shaking. <laughs> you want to agitate it a little bit? Get it, get it. The, the reason it's nitrogenated is because it kind of adds a creaminess. Yeah, go you ahead. you just love saying nitrogenated. Yeah, I just want to keep <laughs> saying that. Could that be the name of the segment? Actually, can I try saying it? <laughs> nitrogenated. Yeah, um, I was going all like Tom Cruise cocktail. I was doing the. Sh- I was. Yeah. I, I was getting excited no, about the shaking. Tec- you had a good technique, okay. but now now you just crack it open and, and pour it in. Oh <laughs> man! Holy shit! Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I agitated yeah. the hell out of so, that one. So, <laughs> Emil, give me your cup. Yeah. Yeah. So the reason the reason you know this exists for us is because it was something fun we kind of played around with on draft and. You know, barring kind of from the beer world, you know, what what would happen if we did the same thing that, that Guinness does to beer, if we did it at coffee, and it really, it came, you know, we, we love the results. It's this kind of creamy, yeah, clean, sweet, rich. yeah, kind of, it, it adds a richness, but it's really water and coffee, so. Um, are, are you guys yeah. the first ones to do nitro coffee? You know, that's up for debate. We we, we believe we are. Mm. Yeah. So. <laughs> <laughs> Ice coffee is actually how I got into coffee. Like I didn't. Right. I never drank coffee until I was thirty years old. That still blows my mind. Yeah, yeah. Wow. I don't know. Well, I used to drink a lot of Coca Cola, and I forgot yeah, I didn't need Coke and so coffee. Wild. But I always, when I was growing up, I would come down to breakfast every morning in D.C. where I grew up, and my parents would be at the kitchen table, mom in her bathrobe and reading glasses on, my dad like in a suit getting ready to go to work, newspaper, drinking coffee, and I was like, wow, that's so depressing. I don't ever want to grow up. Like that just started basically was like adult thing, and I just equated right. coffee with being a grown up. And I was like, "That's lame. I don't want to do that." Uh, so I never drank coffee. Like having a minivan. It yeah, was like, exactly. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and then, but then one day, I remember I got my first apartment in, in New York, or for, I bought an apartment, and I was like thirty years old. And I vividly remember this day. It was like in April. The Masters was on. I like to watch golf, and I went to Starbucks, and I bought a big iced coffee, and I put in you know a fair amount of milk and some sugar. 
went back to my apartment. I was just sitting there in my chair watching the Masters. I was like, wow, this coffee stuff is good. Wow. And I have a TV and I'm watching golf and like, this is awesome. You're a grown Such up. a bizarre scene. Yeah, the idea of 30 year old you being like, oh, I'm going to watch golf and drink <laughs> creamy Starbucks iced coffee. <laughs> Which I basically, yes, I'm going to, yeah, I could not be any more suburban or grown up than that. But it was like, and, and since then, every day, I'm almost since then, I, I now drink iced coffee year round, 365. It's um, true. I can yeah. confirm that. You're not alone. Uh, and, and so, that, and when did you guys realize that that was a thing? Business wise, I mean the whole the whole way that we've been doing it forever, okay, and and the whole way that most people would offer cold coffee in coffee shops was either, you know, taking older coffee that was brewed, you know, cooling it down, putting it over ice, you know, having that as an option for you know the consumer coming in. We were doing toddies for a long time, or what they, what what we call cold brew, and. uh and you know, we were basically doing those in our basement, you know, in the walk-in. Yeah, I would just say that. I would just say yeah. Toddy's is not as marketable brand. No, uh, yeah, <laughs> but no. Anyway, it's cold. Yeah, we, we leaped <laughs> off of that one pretty pretty quick. No, it's a term though. It's a term. We were doing that for a really long time, and, and it, it's really it's a pain in the ass. I mean, it's it's it, it it takes a long time. It's messy. No one likes to do it. So you know, Dwayne, our founder, just kind of got excited about the Stubby Bottle because he's a big Olympia Brewing Company fan. They went out of business. Oh wow. And did they he, really? Yeah, they went out of business, and and he thought, hey, why don't we kind of stop? Why don't we get out of the business of doing this in our basement every day, and and let's let's grow up a little bit. So, so that's kind of how we brought it to market, and you know, now it's a, it's a whole category of beverage. But we've always been making it. We just kind of got a little bit. We tried to have a lot of fun and, and get smarter with how with how we're we're putting it on the shelf, and so. Well, in terms of yeah, in terms of taking it to market, because um, in our August issue of Bon Appetit, we had a big iced coffee story, and the number of on the shelf iced coffee cold brew brands out there, and I know you guys have been a big pioneer in that, but just you know, you have like the the nitro cans, you have the stubby bottles, you have the cartons the cartons those have like milk in them or whatever yeah yeah we, we have some with milk we have some that are chocolate milk I mean, we have one that's nut and dairy free i mean you went uh, hardcore yeah, so what coconut. percentage of your revenue business is now generated from the cold you know, brew world i'd say it's about 30 percent, 20 to 30 percent, somewhere in there mm-hmm. yeah so it's it's a it's a pretty significant part of our business and you know obviously we're paying attention to that but but really the demand for it is 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 the bigger story there yeah. which is you know we're, we're excited that people are excited about it. You know, it, it, again, it's something we kind of just started to do is, is something to have fun and be a little bit more innovative and not take ourselves so seriously. But um, it, 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 we really started a monster. Yeah, so, I mean, yeah. but but be careful what you start because now literally everyone's doing it. And Emil. Yeah. yeah, but see, we like that. Sure, you do. Anyways, we're, you're, <laughs> I read something somewhere in an email that you're a Dunkin' Donuts cold brew guy. Look, all right. No, 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 no. I, I that is not accurate. I am not a fan you're not of a Dunkin' Bo- You're not from Boston. Not, no Dunkin' Donuts cold brew, Dunkin' Donuts iced coffee. Look, I love I, I love coffee. I was like, when I was in college, I got really into the third wave coffee, doing pour overs in my house, like trying to get, convince the coffee shop to do cold brew. And I love cold brew. But at a certain point, I feel like it became like what craft beer is for me mm. a little bit. Like sometimes I'm like, I can really appreciate it. And I really love it, but there are other times where you just want to drink 
30 ounces of iced coffee walking down the street with a big <laughs> frosty <laughs> jug. That's what I love about <laughs> Dunkin' Donuts. You can't get an iced coffee at Dunkin' Donuts that is less than like 27 ounces. No. Yeah. Well, and that's my thing, though, with cold brew is so many of the shops, especially around here, you go and you cannot get a cold brew in less than a 16 ounce serving, which I don't understand because I don't like that's the thing. I stopped drinking cold brew in the afternoons because it was I felt like I was going to have a heart attack and I didn't want to have Sissy. I didn't want to yeah. drink 16 ounces of it. I would go in and be like, can I have a 12 ounce iced coffee? And they're like, we don't we don't do cold brew in 12 ounces. Like, see, why? I, I would literally I'd say I will pay you the same amount for the 16 ounce. Just put it in a 12 ounce. They look at me like I was crazy. And I was like, that's how much coffee I want. Yeah. If I drink more than that, I'm, I'll die. Yeah, I think the big thing here is that now there are choices. Okay, and so you, you you know people like speaking choices. Speaking of America, yeah. yeah, speaking of America, and so the consumer wants choices. It doesn't have to be we're the cool kid. They're also doing it. They're not the cool kid, or they're saying they're the cool kid. And, you know, it's not really a weapons race. It's 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 a category of beverage that you know many different people should be in, and there should be varying levels of quality. And all know, right, well here's uh, here's yeah. my choice that I want, and I I'm going to take issue with Stumptown. Okay, do it. In wow. general, I'm a big Stumptown fan. Shots I think fired. I, 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 I'm standing up out of my chair. Yeah. By the way, just so everyone knows. Yeah. <laughs> The stubbies, um, which are the little stout little bottles that you guys sell, I don't think I don't think they're strong enough. Really? I want to. Wow. No. Yeah, you, they're you're, not. You're like a one percenter on that. I repeat, no. shots fired. No, wow. it's, it's not a dark enough. If you, it's not a dense enough brew. If you pour milk into it, and that's always that's that's always the litmus test for a coffee sort of richness. Like you can, it, how quickly does it turn pale, a, a light blonde? And I think like the. I'm not saying it doesn't have a lot of caffeine. But there's, I want it to be a, like a thicker, a brew. thicker. I, yeah. So th- my thing is, and over the years, as Emil knows, when he and I worked together as my assistant back in the day, mm-hmm. I'm an ice red eye guy. So I will go get an iced coffee because I don't trust these shops with their iced coffee because I know it's going to look like iced tea. And then I'll add a shot of espresso. Right. Not for the caffeine necessarily, but because I like the nutty richness that the espresso imparts on the iced coffee. Okay. Yeah. Well, I mean, I think. I think you're a red eye drinker. Maybe you're not just a cold. Yeah, but drinker, you guys right? don't sell red eyes and stubbies, right? I mean, we haven't gotten there yet, but I think you you at least have a route to where you want to go. But why not come up with like like uh, Stumptown Deep Brew? Yeah. <laughs> you know, and it'll just be a- that might be a 2020 uh, <laughs> yeah. rollout yeah. for that. No, I I think look, I mean, that's what you like. My question is, do you guys have, are there certain roasts or certain beans that you think could go better with dairy versus things that are like ought to be 100%, drank black? 100%, yeah. I, I think when we're making cold brew, we think about, you know, the crowd-pleasing, you know, aspects of a cold brew where, yeah, maybe someone wants a black strong coffee, someone wants to put a little milk and sugar in it, someone wants to just put sugar in it. So we want a, a crowd-pleasing kind of side to it, and therefore we we go with a more you know, traditional type of coffee when it's like more chocolatey, caramelly, you know. So you're kind of uh, splitting the difference a little yeah, bit. Yeah, but 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 on our on our beans, you know, there are certain coffees that literally drink like tea. Like this this uh this red gesha uh bottle that I brought you guys is a really special small batch offering we did in the bottle. That drinks more like a black tea. Yeah, you could put a little milk in it. I wouldn't recommend it because right. you you want to you want to experience it for what it is. Pelman, in terms of I'm curious, uh take this stump town branch at the Ace Hotel here in New York City, which does seems like it's it's never not packed as far as I can tell. That's true. Um, can you give us some numbers in terms of the iced coffee, cold brew, whatever, any iced sort of drink sales during, you know, say May through September compared to the winter months? Yeah. I mean, it's I, I don't have the exact number 
you know, right now, but I can tell you that there's a huge spike. And, you know, one of the things we've been trying to focus on is innovating beyond just iced coffee or cold brew and, you know, start this, this whole idea that cold brew can be an ingredient. We're doing a lot more sodas. I think you guys did some coverage on mm-hmm. that. Yeah. Let's, let's talk yeah, about yeah. this. Cause you, you have a, a shop in New Orleans. Is it all cold brew there or almost? It's, it's not all cold brew, but the New Orleans shop, the, the way we kind of started to think about this is, you know, it, it, it's a million degrees in New Orleans most of the year. Yeah. Everyone who, who's been there knows that. Thick. Or, it's thick down there. You know, it's, it's another kind of hot. And so uh, we, we were thinking about how we were going to roll out the bar there. And of course we serve hot coffee, but what we thought would be interesting is why don't we make it a cold brew bar that happens to serve hot coffee? So you have a, you have a drink at your New Orleans shop um, and a couple, but the Dwayne Sorensen named for Dwayne, your founder, your, yes. your esteemed founder. The Dwayne, um, friend and founder. A, it's yeah. a cold brew Arnold Palmer made with a shot of nitro hairbender, which is one of your bean blends, citrus syrup, and soda water. Yeah, it's excellent. Mm, yeah, Sounds good to me. Yeah, it's really good. It's uh, oleum sa- oleosacrum, which is uh, made by uh, House Spirits in Portland, Oregon. And that's like a simple syrup sort of thing? It's like a simple syrup made with lemon peel, yeah. very citrusy, but... I mean, you know, when you're drinking it, it 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 it's amazing, and, it, and you don't realize it's a coffee drink. But um, that, so what 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 is it? What what do you think it is? Then? Yeah, no, it tastes like. I mean, it tastes like a, a lemon cream soda almost in oh, a wow. funny way. Well, yeah, and then you have really an- good. another one, um, the Endless Summer, which we say is a take on a mint julep, also with a shot of nitro hairbender plus mint simple syrup and soda water. Yeah, so same kind of thing. It's just again using cold brew as an ingredient yeah. to give someone kind of a different experience, a different take, and that's more of like you know, most people basically you know hot coffee in the morning and the afternoon. It's maybe cold brew. You sip it on your desk all day. This is kind of an afternoon play for me, where I you know. Yes, I want to get a little lift, but I don't feel like I want to drink a whole cold brew. It's right. just it's also an interesting way to drink coffee. So um, this and being, it is the soda alternative. This being New Orleans, do people ask if they can get like a shot of bourbon in there or, yeah. or vodka? Well, we we don't talk about that on a record. You know, so, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the question I have is: so I know you guys do a lot of training around. You know, it's like you guys are first and foremost a roastery. Right. right. And a distributor. Or a coffee roaster, right, yeah. And, you know, so you have trainings for people because you don't want them to use your beans and then pull bad shots and then make your coffee look bad. So do you have the same, does the same sort of thing apply to cold brew? Like, do you worry at all that people are going to make your cold brew, make their own cold brew out of your beans, do it badly, and then people are going to be like, Stumptown, yeah, cold brew is gross. That's a good question. I mean, we're not, I wouldn't say we're worried about it, right. but one of the big things for us is that when we started making the bottles, the stubby bottles, and they were selling off, you know, like hotcakes off the shelf, we started realizing people want these because they like them, but then we started realizing, well, we could offer a whole layer of convenience to our customers, right? So, and like, let's get you out of making cold the cold brew business, right? Like, let's let, let, let's get you out of that business, so you know you can focus on all the other things. And so, really, it's more of a convenience um, that we can offer things like you know back of house. We can offer concentrate, or we can offer things on draft, or you can have the bottles in your grab and go, or you can have a you know the cartons in your grab and go, things like that. Um, there's not as much training, you know. We have a lot of materials that we give to folks, and right. it, if something tastes off, we're we're pretty vocal about it, you know. Um, but the trend is, is that people are getting out of doing that themselves and they're relying on their roaster, which is a good thing. Right. So you sell, actually sell people 
shops a concentrate that they can buy in bulk and they can right use. like for food service you know a chef driven restaurant it's an ease of service they might only thing. sell iced coffee to right. like one very picky customer say yeah who or, just or has the really entire kitchen drinks things that, you know, that, which yeah. is really what goes on <laughs> honestly you know the, the or you have folks that they want to have the the taps front and center and and showcase that they're innovative and and also that they get you know that quality needs to be fast for people that are coming through a line so it is crazy how much that now if you're opening a restaurant of a certain caliber, you can't get away with having like the bad little espresso machine and like, you know, uh, like, you know, the burnt like pot of coffee waiting around for like the one person who wants it. Like you really have to be, you, you, you can't like, you can't have like good wine and bad coffee. I mean, what was at the old building? What was the, the espresso coffee machine in the kitchenette with the really creepy name? Flavia. Flavia. <laughs> yeah. I was I like a lot of Flavia when I started working at Bon Appetit. I would, like, I, would like, I would like roll out of bed like five minutes before I had to get on the train, get there totally uncaffeinated, and then I would drink like four cups of Flavia. <laughs> yeah. And I would play around because there were like two different roasts. There was like a dark roast and a light roast, and they both tasted the same. It wasn't a, it wasn't a K-cup. It was a pouch. It was a pouch that yeah, you put like in, pou- and yeah, then it yeah. inflated with hot water and then exploded and then <laughs> ripped this awful tasting coffee. Let's go back there. Down into a you know what? I want to go there. Oh, yeah. Ah, Flavia. Ah, Flavia. What's the office coffee play here? So in the test kitchen, we got schooled by Stumptown, right, Emil? Yep. Yeah, they came in and did it. What, what, what's our unit? It's the La Marzocco. Oh, yeah, um, yeah, yeah. And it, this is great for, for folks to know about. The La Marzocco, which is one of the best manufacturers of espresso machines in the world. They're based in Florence, Italy, but they have a huge you know business in the United States. They came out with La Marzocco Home, and you have the, the La, Marzocco, La Marzocco Linea Mini up oh, there. Yeah, the linea. And so that's more for like you know the person who wants to take it to the next level at home or in an office place or you know, um, in a retail setting that isn't really food and beverage driven. Now you're seeing a lot of blending of, of you know, coffee in, in retail shops. You know, yeah. I'm, I'm here to buy a dress, but I'm getting a coffee. Or, yeah. It's a barber you know. shop. And you yeah, also- so, so that's the play. It doesn't require a lot of plumbing and electrical. You don't have to be an expert, but it, you know it's a great but it's, unit. But it's right? a legitimate machine. It's a, it's a legit machine, You're still machine, yeah. grinding the beans. You're putting the thing in there. You're. It's not just like the pod sort of. Right. I never trust those espresso machines where you just press a button. I'm yeah. like, no. It's not a real yeah, espresso machine. Yeah, it takes the machine. fun out of it. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Uh, but we, so I think what's cool about that, so you you guys train some people, and then those people have now trained a lot of other people. So yeah. you, you see a lot of our employees going down there and everyone's making well, their shots of espresso. Well, it's cool. I mean, it's cool because I think a unit like that, you have to really, you have to drink a lot of coffee at home in order for that to make, that unit to make sense in your house because you still have to dial it in in the morning, which is the process by which you like pull several different shots to time them and figure out if the, you know, all the calibrations are correct and the grind's right. And that itself is like, you're basically dumping two shots of, at least two shots of espresso down the tubes and then if you're doing that to just make one coffee for yourself and then you go to work, it's kind of crazy. But for us, it's like, you know, there are at least a dozen people who are trained on the machine, who know how to use it, who come down most days. And so it, it makes sense for it to be on all day, for people to just come and, you know. But I think what separates the kids from the adults are those folks who actually know how to steam the milk properly and pour it. I don't. Did well, you, like, yeah. You well, don't, I don't drink does milk. Anyone, coffee, does so. anyone do it in the, in the kitchen? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Tatushin like, does it. Like, um, oh, like, look, he used to, didn't he used to? He used to work at a shop, like a good shop. And then camera. Vince also, who does all our videos, mm-hmm. he used to yeah. own, he co-owned a, a oh, coffee yeah, shop. Right. So Vince knows how to do the little hearts and stuff. Yeah. To me, it's, it's about folks who want to be in the kitchen, who want to learn more about cooking. 
this is a great use the term crossover again. This is a great kind of uh, machine for that. You know, like I, I, I'm I, yes, I want to have my drip coffee in the morning, but I also want to have a little bit more of an elevated approach to this. Learn learn about the craft, the skill, can, entertaining. Can we like that, can we know? talk about so, how much this crossover costs? What's that? How much does this crossover cost? <laughs> you know, I think it retails. Uh, I need to do some research on that, but I think it's. I think it's a little over three three thousand. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's, yeah. A, it's I, a nice crossover. I think it was something more along the lines of five to seven. No, recall, no, really? Yeah. No, I don't think so. Well, I did that. I yeah. interviewed Dwayne for that. We it ain't, like it a, ain't no oh, minivan. Right. We That's did like right. a love letter in the magazine last year, which is when we got the unit. Just talking about how much he he loved it, which is cool. And the thing that Dwayne said that because I remember it, I, I remember it being like seven grand or something like that, and him being like, "Look, people spend a way more money that than that on like home entertainment systems and yeah. motorcycles, and sofas, like vintage records, and whatever." He's like, "I like coffee, so I spent seven grand on an espresso machine for my house. Like, so sue me." Like, and yeah. that that kind of put it in perspective for me. It's like, sure, anything is ridiculously expensive. If you don't care about it, you know? I, I think the real thing here is that that folks want to do more with coffee at home, and it's not the, the, you know K cups are, are, are obviously a big giant out there; they're a big force. But but more and more people are are learning that wait wait a minute, I want to grind my coffee every morning before I brew. Even just even folks who know what a what a pour over is, right? Yeah, and right. being able to do that at home that's where things that's where we see this thing going. All right, guys, thanks so much for coming by. and Carrie Polis, with editing by Mitra Kaboli and additional help from Lily Sherman, Emma Wartsman, and Ashley Mason. Our theme music is by Valerie and the Greedies. We have new episodes every Wednesday, and if you want to tell us about this or any episode, email us at bonappetitfoodcast at gmail.com. Plus, right now we're offering an exclusive deal for you, our podcast listeners. You can get 50% off a one-year subscription to Bon Appetit magazine. That's just $6 for 12 issues. You'll also get our current issue plus an exclusive apron. Go to bonappetit.com slash foodcast to subscribe. Hey,